the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire if you didn't know by now my name is chad and every single week we take that journey back in time to the new generation of the world wrestling federation and we look at it through uh sometimes rose-colored glasses we see if things held up from the era and we see uh if they didn't hold up from the era and each single week we welcome in somebody to uh kind of rap about it with us and bringing back a guest from a couple months ago i haven't talked to him on these airwaves in a while, but we've spoke rather recently, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the uh, the host of Front Row Material himself, he's always Front Row Material and the new generation declassified world. It's the uh, the great Mr. Mike Freeland joining me today. Mike, what's going on in your world? Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me on. I do appreciate this. Uh, just trying to survive the cicadas in the Midwest. I mean, my <laughs> God. It's... Uh... It's like a bad uh, WCW invasion angle. I mean, it's like, but I can't get I can't get away from it. Yeah, I've seen very odd and pretty nasty videos of it. So, like, uh, are they visible? Do you have to dodge them? Like, what's the deal with these uh, cicadas? They're not really penetrating this Virginia area that I live in, but I've seen uh, some pretty horrific images. Well, consider yourself fortunate because these things are <laughs> almost like small hummingbirds, okay? And they're everywhere. And then they only live, I want to say, about 24 hours, then they die, okay? Right. And when they die, they start to rot. And when oh. they start to rot, it it smells uh, it smells like a Mike Freeland prepubescent uh, bedroom uh, <laughs> yeah. before deodorant was discovered. So it, it's it's rough. It's bad. Yes, you do have to dodge them, whether you're in a parking lot or you're walking into a restaurant. They will land on you. And I mean, there are swarms of these things. Um Driving on the interstate, they will hit your windshield and make a pretty big thud. I, I feel bad for motorcycle riders because, I mean, this has just got to be a nightmare. It's a beautiful summer, and all of a sudden they get uh, they get invaded by these nasty-looking creatures from the ground. It's disgusting. I've just seen videos, and like I said, some images on Twitter and Facebook. It's uh, it's pretty gross, so I'll consider myself fortunate. I'll c- consider you unlucky <laughs> that you've had to experience uh, some maybe uh, PTSD moments of your old bedroom, but that's another story for a different day. Hey, that's <laughs> your bedroom during the new generation, so it ties in perfectly to this uh, this programming here. Indeed, it does. I'm very, very excited. I love the show. I love going down uh, memory lane and in. Looking at things, and as you said before in the introduction, I think sometimes we do look at things with rose-colored glasses. You know, we, we, we tend to think, wow, this was amazing. But now that we're older, we're wiser, we can uh, look at them with a different pair of lens crafters and determine, hmm, was that really what we thought it was? Exactly. And I always say every week, I try to preface it, not experts, not saying we're official dubbed historians of uh, the World Wrestling Federation or the wrestling industry. Uh, just happen to have a microphone and a, a microphone and a platform, and that seems to be uh, the key component 
for uh, everybody listening to this to hear what we've got to say. But, you know, it's a good thing to hear from fans and hear from people who were actually wrapped into it 150% at this level as a fan. You know, now it's like everybody's kind of jaded, a little bitter, except for you. You're relatively happy. I I can say that when you get a little cynical and you get a little uh, snarky about stuff, it's very surprising. Uh, You and one other guy that I I talked to who's on the show fairly recently, Jack Hunter, you guys seem to be the most like uh, (laughs) happy about uh, wrestling. Otherwise, everybody else is bitter and hates stuff about it. But this time we go back and look at things and uh, it's generally looked at a little more fondly. So not experts, but we try. Hey, the, the closest I am to an expert is being friends of an expert. And uh, that's about as far as I go. So that's it. That's that's all we'll do. So today it's a little different. I've talked about for weeks digging into some house shows, but I was what am I going to do? Just sit here and read the cards to you. You can go and find them yourself. I use the history of WWE.com like I'm sure every other podcast in the world does when they want to look something up. Uh, the comprehensive results, the absolute uh, just, just treasure trove of things you can look through and look at. So what I've done is I've pulled a house show card or two, for, if it's the same day, from 1993, 1994, 1995, and 1996, the respective years of this new generation programming. I'm going to read the card to Mike. I'm going to give him the ticket price. He's going Simple enough. You understand the uh, the rules of this game here. It's going to be kind of fun. It's just like a yes or no kind of question. And again, I told Mike before we started, don't just say yes to everything, but don't also force yourself to say no. If you do have to say yes to everything, then go right ahead and go do it. But I pulled some cards. Again, a couple of them have two per day because that's the way the road was in the, uh, in the 90s. Two shows, different crews. So we're going to read through them. And you're going to tell me whether or not this is something you'd buy into or you'd pass. Now, did you go to any house shows during this era? Oh, wow. Um, I would say a few, not many. And when I say a few, I would probably say less than five, to be honest with you. I think I started really going to more of them, um, more to WCW. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but but yes, I, I've well, been to. We a hate few. them on this show, so <laughs> screw WCW. <laughs> How was the WCW house show experience? They weren't bad. Um, they I were mean, small, right? They were very small. I mean, it was one of those situations where you know you're you're fairly going to be able to have a decent seat because most of the stuff is tarped off. Right. Um, you, you may get a, a healthy dose of nasty boys. Um, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, some Dungeon of Doom guys. Nice. (laughs) Very rarely would you get the top guys. I think in, if I remember correctly, when Hogan negotiated his contract with WCW, it was something like the extent of like five house shows. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah. And 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 he's going to Detroit. He's going to the big ones. Yeah. Vegas. He's going to the big markets for WCW. He's not coming out to Cincinnati to see see people. (laughs) You can get a flair. You could see flair pop in there, right? You can get Stinger and maybe even the Macho Man. Well, I, uh, yeah, you could, or or we could get the fake Sting. Uh, who, who <laughs> What's wrestled for the... with that? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> well, I can tell you my first house show that I did go to because my dad, very uh, documented here on the show, hated wrestling at the time, so I didn't go to my first house show overall until 96. I had been watching for 10 years and hadn't gone to a house show, and I did not pull that card for this show. I'd like to save that maybe for a special occasion. But uh, if you're ready to go back in time, I've got a few on the uh, the docket. We're going to go back to the glorious year of 1993. 
uh, the year of LA gear, the year of uh, the Bulls, the year of uh, the let's see, the uh, the Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, think about all the big things that happened in '93. But we're going to start at the beginning. Oh, I also because this is just me, I tried to pick one from every season as we go through the year. So we're going to start here in the winter of Ooh. 1993, January 9th to be exact. Brand new year. Brand new year. Uh, about to debut a brand new show, uh, Monday Night Raw. And this is a matinee show at the Meadowlands Arena, my home arena in New Jersey, East Rutherford, to be exact, in front of 8,700 people, which is a good house for uh, 1993. Are you ready for this card? Give it to me. Now, you also have another card on this day that I'm going to read you after this, so don't make your decision just yet. Okay. okay? So on this card, we will see Virgil defeating the Brooklyn Brawler in the opening match. Okay? The Intercontinental Champion... Shawn Michaels uh, fights Marty Jannetty to a no contest. But Marty Jannetty attacked Shawn Michaels before the bell and hit him with the belt. Uh, the match was held off until later in the show. So right off the bat, the roster's thin. We need double duty. So a match like the uh, Rockers, uh, well, one-on-one for the Intercontinental title, we got to have it twice because the roster's so thin. So keep that in mind. The Steiner brothers defeat the Executioners. <laughs> so just two job guys under hoods on a house show in 1993. Okay. Uh, Scott gets the pin, so I'm sure Frank uh, was a uh, bulldog, followed by the yep. pin. Tataka defeats Damian Demento. Bob Backlund defeats the Berserker. Uh, then as the, I'm sure, uh, post-intermission match started, Shawn Michaels pins Marty Jannetty with his feet on the ropes to retain the Intercontinental Championship. The Head Shrinkers defeat Owen Hart and Coco Beware. Yokozuna defeats the Big Boss Man with a bonsai drop at around the four-minute mark. Oh, wow. And the main event, Mr. Perfect defeats Razor Ramon via countout. Oh. It's kind of, <laughs> I mean, it's okay, but it's kind of lackluster uh, in terms of, I don't know. A little bit of everything. That's kind of just like a, a rando collection of uh, matches and guys <laughs> thrown onto this card in a double duty match. Now, as a ticket purchaser and fan of the time, you do get Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty twice. Okay. Thoughts on that? Um, I, I mean, I guess technically we do get them twice. We get more of a schmoz type of just, you know, scramble in the beginning. And then it's, you know, hey, we're going to we're going to do the match later on, which is kind of cool if it was if it was for TV. Um. Okay, I kind of get that. Um, I am actually... Where's your ticket money right now? Is it in your hand? If it's in my hand right now, I would pay... You mean to give you the dollar amount I'd pay for that card? Well, I'll tell you exactly what it was. I'll tell you. I have it right here. I have the actual sell sheet for this card. Okay. If you were ever so inclined to sit ringside on January 9th, 1993, and we'll kind of use this as the template going forward, the ringside ticket was only $19. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> that's like nineteen dollars too much. Okay, continue. Okay, the uh, second tier, which if you're in the Meadowlands and I don't know if you've ever been, you really can't have a bad seat unless you're in the way, way, way upper tank. And for seventy-seven hundred people or eighty-seven hundred people, that upper tank's not really my problem right now. Every every seat that's kind of from the ring up in that first to second tier is a good seat. So those seats will set you back eighteen, uh, sixteen dollars. And $13 if you're really far back, just about on the concourse. But then if you go into the upper tank, which 
if you're in the front, you got a good seat. That's 11 bucks. But if you are way up in heaven, no and I mean, if you walk the steps at the Meadowlands, it, they're so steep. You have to hold the banister going down because you are going to trip if you try to walk fast. They're Jeez. that steep. Those are eight bucks all the way up at the top of the Meadowlands, which I am sure <laughs> they didn't sell. Now, I'll tell you a tidbit about this after we go into the next card. But if you were a, a part of the Boy Scouts uh, or any other youth groups and you attended the WWF Matt chat before the, uh, the, the house show took place, you got to meet two WWF superstars and receive a free WWF certificate. What, what is the certificate of? I'm going to guess of some sort of WWF bucks to spend at the house show. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was like a certificate saying, hey, you were there. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, originally stated on this show, as, as we know, card subject to change. Everything seems to be in place except the Steiner brothers were supposed to take on double trouble and not the executioners. How much do you want to bet the executioners were double trouble? Were, yeah, I guarantee same people. <laughs> yes, they were. Double trouble just doesn't sound like it's going to be a great main event. I mean, that was a board game, wasn't it? Where you uh, would No, you're thinking of just trouble. Just trouble, okay. Just trouble, but you hit the thing a little yeah, box. Yeah. Yeah, so wow. All right. Well, that's if you're in New Jersey on January 9th, 1993. Okay. okay. If you were ever so inclined to maybe, if let's say you lived in Connecticut and you had a choice, you could go to the Meadowlands, which is about ninety minutes away, or you could go up to Boston, which is about two hours away. Okay. At the the illustrious and a very iconic Boston Garden, which would be the last year of the actual Boston Garden, a matinee show, fifty eight hundred people. Whoa. Okay. Very lighthouse for an uh, iconic arena like the Boston Garden. This is what you got to see. You got to see Crush defeat Skinner in eight minutes and 50 seconds with the head vice. Terry Taylor defeated ECW uh, alumni Jason Knight, who was subbing for Lance Cassidy at nine minutes and 20 seconds with a sit-down powerbomb. You also got to see the WWF Tag Team Champions, Ted DiBiase and IRS, defeat the Nasty Boys. Uh, the Undertaker defeats Papa Shango with a choke slam at around the six-minute mark. Bam Bam Bigelow defeats Typhoon around seven minutes with the diving headbutt. And in the main event, now remember what the main event was in New Jersey. <laughs> Refresh me. What was the main Mr. event? Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon fighting to a double countout. The main event of the Boston, Massachusetts, Boston Garden Show on January 9th, 1993. Bret Hart defeats, Mr., uh, defeats Ric Flair in a 60-minute Iron Man match. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready? Let me run it down for you. Three falls to two. Fall number one, Bret Hart pinned Flair with a waist lock into a roll-up. Fall number two, Flair defeated Hart via submission with the figure four and by holding onto the rope for leverage. During the fall, the referee ordered Bobby Heenan to go backstage. Fall number three, Flair defeated Hart via submission with the figure four and by holding onto the bottom rope for leverage. <laughs> fall number four, Hart defeated Flair via submission with the sharpshooter. Fall number five, Hart pinned Flair by reversing a figure four attempt into an inside cradle at 59-42 as Flair attempted the figure four. At the beginning of the fall, Heenan returned to the ring to hand Flair a pair of brass knuckles, which ended up being used on the champion. Wow. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe. Holy cow. <laughs> so 
You've got $19 in your pocket, young Mike Freeland. Are you going to New Jersey or are you going to Boston? I'm going to Boston. Are you kidding me? In my opinion? I mean, first of all, you said Skinner in the beginning. And I want to let you know right now, I'm a big fan of the Alligator Man. So (laughs) I was already reaching. I was reaching for the Benjamins when you said Skinner. But then the card just kept getting better and better. That's a good card. Would you agree? That's a pretty – that's a darn good card. Now, the substitution not being of one of the bigger guys, Lance Cassidy, not really the guy who was going to put the uh, the fannies in the seats – but you got, yeah, you got your star power. You got the tag team champions. You got the WWF champion. You got the Undertaker. You know, you got Bam Bam. If you're a kid in that day, Crush was starting to be one of your favorite guys. That's a, that's a pretty good card. I, I'm wondering, and I know obviously it's it's very iconic with the Boston Gardens, but was was the Meadowlands? I mean, you said it was a pretty big hub for them, correct? Oh yeah. I just don't understand why the card was not that strong. I mean, I like their main event. Yeah. I like the fact that you saw Shawn Michaels. Um, You know, I'm a big mark for Damian Demento. But it just, it seemed like it's apples and oranges. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because you're missing a couple key guys that would be on the house shows. You're missing the Macho Man, for one. That's the absolute uh, glaring uh, omission here. Uh, Let's see, who else you're missing? You're missing, uh, Mr. Perfect was in uh, Meadowlands. Yeah, I mean, there's, it it was a thin roster. You know, what are you going to do? They did the best with what they had. But this all, you know what this signifies, though? What's that? This signifies the changes. Oh, you're also missing your Hacksaw Jim Duggins of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, these are guys that were kind of staples of those Federation year shows that are not there. And there's some big glaring spots where, you know, even on paper, if you're the if you're the casual fan, even in 93, I don't think the Boston Garden card's even going to draw you in, even with the 60-minute Iron Man match, because it's not bashing you over the head with those guys that you – are really familiar with. Think about it. Undertaker's only a few years into his run. You know, DiBiase's in a tag team. You know, I look at Terry Taylor, man, it wasn't really buying him as a heel at the time. Both cards aren't that great, but that 60-minute Iron Man match could have been a pay-per-view with yeah, the way was, that was built. Yes, I think they ended the the Boston show really strong. Um, and that surprises me. I didn't realize they were doing matches like that way back then. Oh, yeah, they would try these on the house shows for sure. But you know what? It kind of contradicts the whole argument that Bret Hart and Ric Flair have had over the years. You know, Flair uh, says Bret was, you know, too uh, wrapped into being Bret. Uh, Bret says Flair was too wrapped up in the same uh, routine and doing the same thing on every show, which maybe is kind of like when you look at the results and you see they use the same finish twice back to back, the the figure four with the ropes. Um, for two guys that didn't really have that great of chemistry to go 59 minutes, that's that's a big deal. And, uh, yeah, I wish that that could be uh, released on a tape somewhere because that would be phenomenal to check out. And not even – let's throw one on the side. You got Bobby Heenan out there for 30 minutes of the 60 minutes and that's then big, coming back to factor in. Yeah, that's a big deal too, being able to see somebody like that. that, that all that has to be taken into consideration um, with the whole ambiance of the atmosphere, getting to see a, a Heenan display. I agree. All right, we're going to move to – so you're going to the Boston Garden card. I, I mean, I'm going to the Boston Garden card. I just feel like there's more there's more substance to it. Yes, like you said before, neither one of them is, is a WrestleMania, but it's not intended to be. Um, it does surprise me that it drew less people. Um, 
Is it with, with ticket prices even, Steven, on this? I'm going to guess probably in the same neighborhood. You might be a few dollars more just because it's a, a bigger arena like the okay. Boston Garden. Now, like I said, with the Meadowlands, you know, you mentioned, you know, I said it was my home arena and it was it's, you know, it's junior to Madison Square Garden. That's their hometown. Vince would take the ride down from Connecticut to the Meadowlands. You could if you were sitting on the ringside or, you know, the aisle seats and you took a peek back at the uh, the curtain, you'd see Vince looking through the curtain. Because wow. Vince would come to the Meadowlands shows because they were basically in his backyard. He'd be home by dinner time if it was a matinee show. Sure. So these are the kinds of things. They they always put a stronger emphasis on the Northeastern shows because the office would be present there, even to include smaller venues like the um, uh, the Westchester County Center in Westchester, New York. It's uh, it's just one of those venues that they always had a greater presence at. I remember even seeing Arnold Skoland at a show that I went to at the Westchester County Center because these were just they, – they were the office guys home turf so that's why these were a little bit more emphasis but yeah that's that even i even me as big a mark as i could be for 93 wwf i'd go to boston over going to the metal so that's uh that's that's one thing to be said now how about this one okay we're going to may 1st 1994 so we're skipping ahead about a year plus Mm -hmm. and we're in the spring i told you i picked uh, each season uh we're going to first this is another two show day i'm going to give you we're going first to the worcester centrum in worcester massachusetts so not terribly far from boston but uh nonetheless a massachusetts uh staple if you remember the worcester centrum was also used for monday night raws during that uh that time a smaller arena but not um you know not a, a main stop by any means all right so here we go here's your card opening match one two three kid defeats quang Okay, also oh Sabia Vega. <laughs> Mabel defeats Bam Bam Bigelow. Okay. The Heavenly Bodies defeat the Smoking Guns. That's a nice little addition to the card. Uh, Razor Ramon defeats WWF IC champion Diesel via disqualification. The WWF's woman champion Alundra Blaze defeats Leilani Kai. IRS defeats Tatanka via disqualification. Lex Luger defeats Crush, who's subbing for Mr. Perfect at uh at this show and the main event wwf world champion bret hart defeats owen hart oh that's a pretty good one that is so you got some some pretty standouts so you got a razor ramon and diesel match yes you got lex luger who was uh coming off that giant year the year before uh let's see you got uh yeah you got the smoking guns and the heavenly bodies that's a pretty damn good card. I'm not going to lie. That's not bad. That is. And then you got a woman's match on there, too. I, I'm not a big – I don't know a whole lot about Leilani Kai, um, but I really want to say Alundra Blaze was really good. Yeah. So so there you go. So that's your Worcester Centrum. Uh, same day, uh, also in Massachusetts, Fall River, Massachusetts, to be exact, at the Veterans Memorial Auditorium. I'm feeling like my uh, my best Howard Finkel here. <laughs> when he would run down the WWF house, uh, WWF's on tour at the Fall River Veterans Memorial Auditorium. Oh, that's good. Here's what we see. You ready? Yes. Bob Backlund defeats PJ Walker, otherwise known as Just Incredible, <laughs> in the opening match. So PJ, not even close to being Aldo at this point, still just regular old PJ Walker enhancement talent. Uh, second contest, Duke the Dumpster Drossy defeats Adam Bomb. Uh, Thurman Sparky, I'll call him Hardcore Holly, plug, <laughs> defeat Bastion Booger. Uh, the WWF Tag Team Champions, here we go. Now here's a title match. 
on the line as the Head Shrinkers defeat the Quebecers. Jeff Jarrett defeats Doink the Clown. And in the main event, Earthquake faces Yokozuna, and they both get counted out of the ring. Well, <laughs> where are you spending your money on May 1st, 1994? <laughs> May 1st, 1994, card number one. Definitely card number one. Any reasons? Uh, I that that tag team match was a big one for me. I that like I like yes. Guns. I feel like that one. Did you give a time frame on how long that match went? That one? No, I don't have a time for that one. No. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, I just. It, I. It sounds like it's really well done, top to bottom from opening match. Because what was the opening match on that one? On that first one, card, two, three kid defeats Quang. Yeah. yeah. I like Savio Vega, and I, I I think the Quang gimmick was that when he had the green tongue and he yes. would he would muda somebody. Okay. Yes. Um, I like that because I do like Savio. Obviously, I like Sean Waltman tremendously. Um, I mean, no, no, nothing against Bob Backlund and PJ because I mean that's a that's a pretty cool thing for him to be able to wrestle um, Bob Backlund. But I'm going I'm going show one, show one Worcester Centrum. The in Worcester, Mass, of course, being uh, from the Northeast, I would know not to call that Worcester, as some people would. It's Worcester. <laughs> you learn that the hard way if you say it up in that neck of the woods. But uh, oh my gosh, absolutely! Now, both Matt, uh, both cards that I I think you and I are both privy to here, Bret Hart uh, main eventing both of them. So I don't know if that's a commonality or uh, just the fact that they used to stack those cards. I guess you would consider them the A shows at the time. I was just about to say, I, I'm starting to see some subtle differences between the two, just the way they, they book them as well. And also, the one the, the first show, was that in a more populated area, would you say? a more? Uh, I would, if you say Worcester versus Fall River, I would say yes. It's not like the Veterans Memorial Auditorium is a high school gym. I mean, it's probably a little bit bigger than one. But the Worcester Center would be a little bit more of a traditional venue for other things outside of just wrestling. So is this accurate too when we're going back here, especially with with this show the way it's designed? Did they really do a lot of high school gyms? Because I know oh, they yes. did. Yes, hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you would see. I mean, even going through the results, you know, they would have still at that point charity shows. So they would be at you know the uh, you know the Stanford, Connecticut Memorial East High School auditorium, you know, and uh, Razor Ramon takes on the big boss man. You know, you would get six or seven guys, and that's where you see a lot of people who would get all autographs on, you know, these WWF placards that would have all the pictures of the guys on it, and that's where those things kind of generated from. But you know, nonetheless, it was a, it was a time when business was down. So playing a bigger house is just going to cost you more money and isn't necessarily going to be feasible from a monetary standpoint. Because that's you know, take some money to get the guys in there. You know what I'm saying? So no, I agree. All right. So let's go to 1995. Again, changing seasons. We're going to the fall. And one common thing you could find out about the fall of 1995 is the WWF spent a ton of time in Canada because that's where they were drawing. They weren't really drawing well in the States, so Canada was an absolute destination for them. So we're going to Sudbury, Ontario at the Community Arena on September 9th, 1995. So this is just going to be a would you or wouldn't you scenario. We're going to keep those same ticket prices. So let's say ringside, we're going to keep it at 19 bucks. okay? So here we go. Young Freeland, I'm putting $19 in your hand. You're walking to the box office, and we're going to see if you're going to buy tickets to this show. Here we go. In the opening match, Aldo Montoya, who we formerly saw as P.J. Walker on the last show, 
takes on Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Ooh. So the click uh, definitely starting to uh, come full force into the company. Oh, this is a nice one. How about this one? Henry Godwin defeats my good buddy, the Dean, Dean Douglas, uh, on this show on December 9th. Uh, excuse me, September 9th, 1995. Fatu, also known as Rikishi, takes on Waylon Mercy, otherwise known as Danny Spivey. That guy was creepy. He was great. Uh, also, the uh, one of the main influences behind The Fiend and Bray Wyatt. That's, uh, well, really more the Bray Wyatt character than The Fiend. Uh, Barry Horowitz defeats Chris Candido, performing as Skip at that point. The one, two, three kid takes on Jean-Pierre Lafitte, the pirate, a.k.a. PCO, as we know him now today. Uh, the WWF Tag Team Champions Owen Hart and Yoko Zuna take on the Smoking Guns. It's a tag team title match. How about this one? Bret Hart taking on a, a very young uh, Big Red Machine, then known as Isaac Yankum. Oh, God. DDS. Oh, geez. Jerry Lawler's dentist. That's right. Jerry Lawler's dentist. Uh, the Undertaker takes on the Supreme Fighting Machine, comma, in a <laughs> casket match. Ooh, a gimmick match. Yeah, we got a gimmick match. And in the main event for the WWF Intercontinental Championship, Shawn Michaels battles Psycho Sid. Whoa. Interesting. What do you, you know what? It, it started out kind of slow. It, it started out kind of like if, if we're talking about like like a like the scale here. So we're going we're going, eh, and then we start kind of peaking a little bit. I actually I I give that a, a B. I mean that's not that's not bad. They really started ramping it up towards the mid of the card, towards the end. That that's not bad. 19, eh, 19 simoleons. That's eh, a chance. You, there's a chance you might go to this one. Now look, you have if you look at it on paper. You have a couple uh, SummerSlam uh, rematches. Uh, Barry Horowitz and Skip was on SummerSlam. So was Bret Hart and Isaac Yankum. Uh, the Smoking Guns really never got that many cracks at the, the tag championship uh, after losing to Owen Hart and Yokozuna at WrestleMania 11. So that's an interesting, that's a WrestleMania rematch. And Shawn Michaels and Sid, you know, that was a feud that blossomed out of Sid turning on Shawn Michaels earlier in the year, making Shawn Michaels a babyface. So you've got stuff, Bret Hart and Isaac Yankum, SummerSlam, you know, that was a pretty big angle. I, this is not bad. And, and same thing, Undertaker and Kama, that's also a, a SummerSlam match. So you, this is an A card. So I'm going to say if for 19 bucks, I'd be going to this one. Okay. That is fair. That is fair. And, and now there's going to be – oh, so this is just a yay or a nay. We're not comparing, correct? No, no, no. There's, there's oh. no other cards to compare this one. This is yes. a singular 1995 event. I would pay the $19. Are you buying merchandise? Uh, that kind of depends. <laughs> that depends on my Boy Scout. Uh, now, mean- <laughs> again, if you had a certificate, now I can tell you, '96, uh, I went for the clearance shirt. And I bought an Undertaker shirt for fifteen dollars at uh, the Meadowlands. So uh, a shirt is still going to set you back a good twenty bucks at this show. So shirt programs another five popcorn peanuts you know you're not drinking beer when you're 14 so (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to worry about that although the beer was probably cheaper then so that that would have been maybe one of the benefits but uh you got 19 dollars. but are you going to spend it sure on some souvenirs i i would probably uh i'd probably get a program that's for sure obviously and then a shirt so we're already spending what 20 on the ticket five on the program 
Then you got to get a sandwich and a drink. Uh, wow, I can stuff can add up pretty quickly. This is adding up. This is like seventy five dollars now. We're talking for this uh, this one show, and that's nineteen ninety five seventy five dollars. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Um, I'm gonna probably pass on the shirt and all that kind of stuff. Right. I'll probably get a little. I'd be more happy to feed myself than I would be to take something back and and put it on my mantle. And that's calling back to last week's episode where we were talking about the very loud T-shirts of the era, and that's all you're oh. getting at this show is those loud multi-colored prints and pictures yeah logos and not knowing what the heck they wanted to do uh maybe you get a little bret hart keychain in the shape of his jacket if you really wanted to get something (laughs) on the cheaper end uh or the sunglasses you could have bought brett sunglasses for five bucks oh oh, okay if if those glasses are going for i'm in for that i'm in for that yeah they were anywhere between five to ten i think i got mine for eight in 96 or 97 i can't remember when i got them but i got mine out of the magazine I never went that route. Now, did you get the silver or the the pink? Pink. Uh, see, I wish I had the silver ones. Those were sweet. Uh, all right, moving on. 1996. Now, we go to the end of the year. Okay? This is a completely different looking roster than it was even in 95. When we look okay. at December 27th, 1996, in front of 9,000 people. So, decent for that era, That's you know? Bad. At the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. So, again, another home uh, That's turf. That's a big arena. Yeah, another home turf location. Uh, the whole entire management team is going to be there. This is a post-Christmas show, so you know for a fact everybody's going to be kind of raring to go. These are, uh, these, are, these, are, these are basically fans that got the tickets for Christmas. Correct. I, I could tell you that from knowing that they would usually run the garden on the 26th. You would find out when you went back to school right after the holidays, all the kids that went to the WWF show at Madison Square Garden. So this is a post-Christmas. You got these in your stocking ticket present right here. All right. Are you ready? Oh, I'm excited. All right. In the opening contest, Doug Furness and Phil LaFon. Okay. They were a very exciting tag team when they were signed in 96. Defeat the fake Razor and the fake Diesel. <laughs> when Phil LaFon pinned Diesel with a spin kick. It's your opening match. So you're getting imposters to kick the show off. Uh, I know for a fact my uncle took my cousin to a house show in November 96 and felt he didn't get his money's worth because of the imposters being on the show. Because he thought they were they were kind of, you know, pulling one over your eyes. You're getting the fake guys. You're not getting the real guys. Uh, Farouk pins Savio Vega with a spine buster. Ahmed Johnson defeats Crush via countout. Goldust pins Jake the Snake Roberts back on mm. the uh, the house show loop. Shawn Michaels pins Steve Austin with a super kick. After the match, Michaels taunted the many who booed him, even taking the mic and cutting a promo on them. Now, for context, the New York crowds hated Shawn Michaels when he was really vehemently hated him if you go back to survivor series 96 he is booed out of the building think about it it's new york they don't want the flashy you know uh very flamboyant boy right they want the tough guy you know i'm gonna kick your butt style bad guy or good guy uh but (laughs) you're watching Shawn michaels defeat steve austin in the middle of the ring with the super kick in 96 and you know not not many people saw that about 9,107 to be exact (laughs) um Bart Gunn and Henry and Phineas Godwin defeat 
Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who was subbing for Billy Gunn, and the WWF Tag Team Champions Owen Hart and Davey Boy Smith when Henry pinned Bradshaw with the slop drop. That's... That's an interesting one. That that's a that is a random collection if I ever saw of a six man tag. Now let me uh, ask you this: the, yeah. the slop drop is that the same move or the perform the same way that Dean Ambrose does his? Uh, um, no, the slop drop is the Scorpion Death Drop. Oh, that's right. My bad. Okay, not the double underhook. Yeah. Okay, got no, it. it's the exact same thing. So uh, Henry Godwin was doing the uh, the slop drop before Sting was doing the Scorpion Death Drop. So use that for uh, for a little bit of context. So Sting Hoover. used him as inspiration. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, interesting. Uh, WWF Intercontinental Champion Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeats Mark Merrow after hitting him with a foreign object. Now we would call it an international object. Uh, <laughs> the Undertaker <laughs> defeats Vader via disqualification when Mankind interferes as Taker attempted the chokeslam. Now I saw a house show match in 97 undertaker and vader with a similar ending except it was a casket match and mankind came out of the casket and cost undertaker the match so interesting they would use a similar finish and in the main event wwf world champion psycho sid pins mankind with a chokeslam and powerbomb moments after the undertaker and vader appeared ringside after the bout sid dropped taker with a choke slam. Moments later, Taker and Sid brawled in the aisle all the way backstage to end the show. Wow. It's a pretty damn good one. It is. That that is. So am I assuming? Hmm. I'd go. I definitely go. I'm gonna up your ticket price though. That's not a nineteen dollar ticket. Uh-oh. I'm gonna Uh-oh. say this. I'm gonna give you a thirty-five dollar ticket if you want ringside. What including t-shirt or souvenir, including food, including program. Now we're looking at close to a hundred dollar night for Mr. Freeland. Look at what you just saw. Shawn Michaels beat Steve Austin. Okay. You saw the undertaker and man and and Vader. You saw Sid pin Mick Foley man in in Mick Foley's home uh, territory in his backyard in in Long Island. Jake, the snake. I mean, were you an Ahmed Johnson fan? Ahmed Johnson's on the show. (laughs) <laughs> I could never quite get into Ahmed, but um, I can I can appreciate what he contributed. Um, there there was some big names on that. I mean, you can't you can't deny that there's some big names on that show, and it wasn't just matches. They they told some stories inside and outside as well, which I can appreciate too. So now let's if we went by the ninety three to ninety six uh, card rosters, basically. Everyone had Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels on them, or Owen Hart. So those are your three faces of the uh, the company during that era. Uh, also, the Smoking Guns almost on every single one as well. So that's another interesting, another little uh, constant. So out of these four, let's say the four years, and I gave you let's see one, two, three, four. I gave you six cards. Okay, mm-hmm. which one is your uh, marquee out of these six? Okay, I'm going to describe the card based upon what the main event was. Let's see. It's either going to be the Brett versus Owen card or the Brett versus Ric Flair. Okay. So if if I had to guess, I'd probably go, God, that's really tough because that Brett Owen card, that was actually really, really good. Refresh me on that one real quick. 
That was the Worcester Centrum, May 1st, 1994. Uh, highlighted WWF World Champion Bret Hart defeats Owen Hart, Luger and Crush, IRS Tatanka, Razor and Diesel, Alundra Blaze, Leilani Kai, the, the Bodies versus the Guns, Mabel and Bam Bam Bigelow, and the Kid and Quang. Gosh. That's man. a good one. That is a really good one. And then give me the uh, give me the flair. Flair, and the Flair uh, one was Flair and Brett, 60 minute Iron Man match, Bigelow, Typhoon, Undertaker, Shango. Uh, which, if you really look at it, we actually had Undertaker, Papa Shango, and Undertaker, comma. So you got two different years with uh, the same match, technically. <laughs> uh, uh, Money Inc. versus the Nasties, Terry Taylor and Jason, Crush and Skinner. Bottom half of that card, weak, top of it, very strong. I'm going with that one. That You're one's going to be that one. That's my first one. And then the, the Owen versus Brett would be number two. You know which one? I'm going to throw this one as a curveball. This is the one I would pick out of these uh, six. I would pick the one from 1995. Really? You got uh, uh, Brett, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Owen Hart, and Yokozuna, one, two, three, kid, Triple H. You got a stacked card. Different variations of matches, probably really great matches, but in a year where it kind of sucks, so you don't have the WWF champion on the show, you don't Correct. have Diesel. Um, and actually, this is around the time that Luger left. This is just about the time Lex Luger leaves the company. Uh, so it's a really pretty big. This is a big transition time for them. You know, they're now starting to go up against WCW, and that's a pretty solid show, top to bottom. So. I'm going to go out on a limb and pick that one. I mean, I think that with that show in particular, I think there's a lot of big superstars that would eventually become the Attitude Era. It, we're not that far away from that. And I can see where a lot of people would gravitate towards that. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy hitters who would become even larger than what they are at this point in time. So I definitely can can respect the fact that you'd want to see that one. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, so this was a different style of show, just kind of looking at the different house show cards. People like that. People like to hear stuff they've never heard before. I could find myself getting lost looking at house show cards all day, every day. I just love it. You see these random collections. Again, I bet you how many people would have known Shawn Michaels beat Steve Austin like that in the middle of the ring with a super kick very and, at the tail end of 96 as he's just about to jump on that rocket ship uh, as the baby face don't call Steve Austin. Only, you know, three months down the road. So uh, definitely love looking at these things. We'll do more of these in the future, but I thought uh, for you as a guest coming on, this is a different thing. You don't need to prepare. You just need to sit and you just need to listen. I'll speak. You talk to when it's your turn and and that's the way we like it. But uh, I mentioned at the top, yes. you and I just recently uh, spoke on air. You did a symposium of sorts talking about getting into podcasting. You had a couple uh, very special guests on there including myself joe feeney was on there as well uh kind of talk about quickly before we wrap up what that vision was and why you're like on a mission to help people with uh getting their podcasting stuff launched well thank you um yeah so basically it was something that i had an idea for i guess maybe about six months or so and i remember um i kind of touched base with you and i said man i'd really like to do something like this what is your thought i because obviously you've been doing this much much longer than i had and i was like wow how can we not only help people, but people who may be hesitant of getting into podcasting. And in, in a conversation you and I had, you said, you know, you don't want to be putting out just content for the sake of content. You want to make sure that it's good content and maybe giving back to people and saying, hey, this was kind of the journey I went on. And these were the pitfalls that I came. So 
I want to do more of these. So in getting more people, like you said before yourself and Joe Feeney and Trenta Berry, um, and we were going to have some different writers from different magazines come on as well who do podcasts and kind of get their take on it. So it would just allow the the person who's breaking into podcasting have an idea of, hey, what do I need to keep in mind? What do I need to do? Um, what does it mean to put together a good show? What are elements of a good show? What's going to separate me from somebody else? Because as we talked about in the in the episode, so many people talk about the same stuff. And, and it's just, you know, wash, rinse, and repeat. And you want to do something that's a little bit different. So I want to do something again. I know you and I have been talking about uh, the ESPN. They did something called the Sports Reporters. And I would love to get some people to once again, get in a big panel and just kind of discuss all this kind of stuff about what can we do? What's the nature of the, of the industry at this point in time and all that kind of stuff. So definitely giving back to those who have helped kind of put me to where I am right now. What a humanitarian, a gentleman and a scholar, as some might say, but again, I don't know what that room smelled like back in the day. So I'll reserve the rest of my comments. All right, Mike, we'll share with the listeners of new generation declassified where they can find uh, anything and everything going on in your world. Absolutely. Um, I am the host of for Earl material um, with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. right now. They are on a sabbatical. Um, if some of you guys have noticed that uh, Mikey has been dealing with some health issues and Jerry has been incredibly busy with AEW. Uh, and so I've been kind of holding the fort down and uh, that's kind of been what's going on with me. And then obviously you can catch us each and every Tuesday night on Twitch. It is uh, frmpod.tv forward slash, uh, I'm sorry, twitch.tv forward slash frmpod. And you can catch us there. And then the audio version drops each and every Friday. Nice. Yeah, check it out. I love uh, I love whenever I can get on and chat with you because it's always like I said, it's a lot of podcasting that I, I can tend to do is more on the, you know, jaded side. And it's nice when it's not always that way, but it's uh, it's a kind of collection of both. And it's always good to get on the air with you. So look forward to uh, whenever we may do that again in the future. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad E&B on Instagram and Twitter. My website is ibexclusives.com. There you can find all the information about all the autograph signings I've got going on with various uh, baseball superstars, and you never know what else might uh, pop up on the radar there. And for all the podcasts, it's tmptempire.com under the TMPT umbrella to include the association with the Russo brand, where you can find the franchise Shane Douglas, myself, and my partner, JP, John Paz, every week on the Triple Threat Podcast, the mind and the mouth of the franchise live and in living color. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth, and that's the best part. And also, uh, eyes up here with the Queen of Extreme, Francine, on Patreon. Four episodes every week. It's patreon.com slash Francine podcast. And the audio version of that is available on Creative Control uh, just about every Saturday. We release it about seven days later, sometimes maybe less. But that's enough out of us. I enjoyed going through these cards. We'll do it again in the future. So for the man, Mike Freeland, this is the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.